Welcome to the Campfire Committee, Outside and Fireside, a podcast to explore and discover the joy of camping and being in the great outdoors. I'm Allison Logan. And I'm Steph Pavan. We're your hosts. This season, we're stepping up our camping game and going beyond the basics. Whether you're an expert camper or you're new to all of this, we're creating a camping community to share the many lessons and stories, tips and tricks, and all the fun that comes with getting outside and fireside. We're bringing you into the world of camping and inviting you to join the Campfire Committee community. Remember to download, subscribe, and follow us on social at the Campfire Committee so you don't miss an episode or any new fun bits. This podcast is about camping, and though we camp primarily in Ontario, we would like to recognize the Indigenous past, present, and future with a land acknowledgement for Toronto, where we live and make this podcast. We recognize that we are on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and this city is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed by the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. We always aim to grow our understanding of and respect for the diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people in Toronto, Ontario, and Canada. And we seek to forge better relationships and celebrate this land with those whom have historically called this place their home as we visit these places to camp. And we encourage our listeners to do the same. Now, let's light this campfire. We're back again with food part two, camping cooking. When you are camping, one thing's for sure, you gotta eat. You've planned your menu, prepped all your food, packed your coolers, gotten everything in the car, and you've arrived at your campsite and set up. Today we are diving into everything you need to know about cooking at your campsite. We'll mention setting up your kitchen or cooking area in our campsite setup episode, but let's dive in a little deeper here. Wherever you set up your kitchen, regardless of if it's on a cook station or the picnic table, it's best if it's sheltered, whether that be under a tarp or in a dining tent. This is for a couple of reasons. One of those is protection from the elements. Rain, obviously. But you also want and need protection from the sun and wind. It can be really hot cooking bacon if you're baking in the sun too. A sheltered cooking area also provides the opportunity for lighting systems that can illuminate your camping kitchen and make it far more functional. Light is one of those things that's very easy to take for granted, and we find being able to hang lights in strategic places, like over your cook station and dining table, makes for a more comfortable and functional experience. And you can't forget protection from the bugs. (laughs) I hate mosquitoes. (laughs) Yeah. Those... Those pesky bugs can turn an enjoyable cooking experience into a nightmare. And welcome back to Ryan Grischuk, who is joining us again for the second part of our two-parter all about camping and food. Hooray! Thank you. It's great to be back and picking things up right where we left them off last time with the food prep and packing episode. I definitely agree that having a cooking area that's at least partially sheltered not only helps protect you from the elements, but provides a barrier between you and the mosquitoes on a buggy day. Although, if it isn't buggy out, definitely try to keep any walls or mesh screens open to allow for the air to flow through while you're cooking. I have smoked myself out when cooking in there before a couple of times. (laughs) 
Even when camping in a tent trailer or RV for that matter, a lot of people opt to cook outside entirely. These things usually have an awning, so there's a built-in covered area anyways. With a group of up to six, like most Ontario campsites allow, the picnic table is necessary for eating. It can also be used for prep, washing, and games. This is a place that you'll gather besides around the campfire. We like to bring an extra folding table and prep station that allows us to free up some space on our picnic table so that we can fit more friends. Mm -hmm, For sure. And if your picnic table will also be your cooking zone, we suggest designating one end of it as the cooking area where you can set up the propane stove or a mini barbecue, and then the remaining area can be where everyone sits and eats. The bench seats directly beside the stove become an extra surface area for prep items while you're cooking. Take advantage of storage opportunities in your camp kitchen, whether it's in bins, hanging mesh bags, or something I think is so clever and intend to try out this year, hanging closet organizers. There are a lot of convenient storage solutions for items like dish towels, cooking utensils, shoes, tissues, sunscreen, first aid, anything small you'd like to keep off the ground or another surface and on hand. Ryan, what things would make you really disappointed if they weren't in your kitchen bin when you opened it up at camping? Like what kitchen bin essentials are your must-haves that you're double-checking before you go? Freshly cracked black pepper. I never leave home without it. That's the most important thing for sure. Um, A close second would be tin foil because it's so versatile. Um, And then after that, in no specific order, I'd have to say a cutting board and sharp knife, a good-sized cast iron pan with flipper and tongs, um, a small pot or a saucepan, and a rubber spoonula. I feel like with that short list, you can pretty much accomplish most anything. A spoonula? (laughs) Yeah, you can use it as a label and you can eat out of it. It's just so much better than a spatula. It's like spatula to the next level. Okay. (laughs) Nice. All great things to have with you when you're camping and cooking. Another space you'll need regularly while camping is a dishwashing station. This may be your prep station, a small table, or the trusty picnic table. You'll need at least two bins for this, and it's really nice to have a drying rack or mat to let stuff air dry. When Allison and I are camping on the same site or doing meals together, we can use one station for cooking and one for dishwashing. When we aren't, I typically use one end of the picnic table for washing and use the kitchen station for prep and cooking. The propane stove is front and center, and I keep my cooking utensils, sandwich bags and garbage bags, clothespins and dish towels and mesh bags hanging from hooks on the station. The shelves are extra counter space for small bins with flatware and other kitchen items like my coffee pot. There's a designated spot for paper towel, which is really just a bungee between two hooks, and this is definitely something you could pretty easily hack. I keep the kitchen bin right beside the station and set up a spotlight above for nighttime cooking. What's your kitchen setup like, Al? Any big differences? Not really. I mean, depending on the site and the number of people we have, sometimes I opt to use the prep station for the dishes and make use of the end of the picnic table for the stove, especially if we have the charcoal barbecue with us. This lets us set up the barbecue close to the kitchen, but outside of the covered shelter to maintain good ventilation. And we also use the campfire itself at times. The kitchen station is usually in the dining shelter with the dishwashing set up and prepped and ready to go. Other than that switch, I think our setup for the kitchen is pretty identical. Using the shelves for the extras, hanging the mesh bags from the hooks or from the side of the shelter itself, and a spotlight right above. 
Check out photos of our different camp kitchen setups and tag the campfire committee so we can see yours. Tips and tricks from listeners are always welcome and a big part of what the campfire committee community is all about. That's right. Now you're all settled in and we're ready to cook. You're only limited by your imagination for cooking methods while camping. Well, I guess that in your gear. Mm -hmm. There's stoves, single, double, and triple burner. Some have a grill or auxiliary burners. Aside from being limited to the number of burners, your stove will allow you to cook pretty much the same way you would at home. Propane barbecues can be clunky, but are a great item to have. A charcoal barbecue is a little bit of effort, but I find them to be far more versatile than the propane versions. Which brings us to an obvious cooking method, cooking on the fire. Similar to a charcoal barbecue, you've got to get things going earlier when you want to cook. But when you're creating coals from scratch, that's even more true. We'll talk about building a campfire in more detail in an upcoming episode, but do want to make sure to mention here that really creating those hot coals is your goal for a cooking campfire. Not big flames that just burn your food, but those red hot coals. One of the best kinds of fires to build to create hot coals is a log cabin style. But no matter what style you opt for, remember that it does take time to build and light the fire and let it burn long enough to get those coals going and ready to cook. Over a fire, you can cook with a pot or a pan on a tripod or a grill, in tinfoil, using roasting sticks or a pie iron, or in a Dutch oven. Cooking on a fire is best with cast iron because it maintains and distributes the heat very effectively. Always make sure to have a good heat-proof oven mitt nearby to use for touching the cast iron pan once it's been heated. It's very easy to burn yourself on a hot cast iron pan. Definitely. To use a Dutch oven effectively, you need to make enough hot coals to surround the vessel, including the top and bottom. Be extremely careful when checking your meal or transferring the coals. Cast iron is one of my favorites at home, and it's likely the most durable cookware to be used over a fire. It's my first choice for camping every time. If you're boiling water over the fire, any pot will do, as long as it doesn't have plastic handles. If it does, it might not for long. Campfire snacks and meals that many think of first are s'mores, hot dogs or spider dogs, and pie iron grilled cheese. Some others to consider are bannock, grilled pineapple, banana boats, and orange cake, where you hollow out an orange, fill it with some brownie mix, cover it in tinfoil, and basically just throw it on the fire. Another campfire staple is baked potatoes. Wrap up some big old spuds in tinfoil. You can poke holes with a fork and add some oil, salt, and pepper if you're feeling fancy, but you can always just load them up with your favorite toppings when they're finished. Disclaimer, these can take a while, especially if they're big. We'll get into timing your cooking later. Corn in the husk is an easy one over the fire as well. Just peel back the husks, oil them up lightly, season them up well, put the husks back in place, wrap them in tinfoil, and stick them on the coals. Our favorite flavor so far is Cajun spiced corn. Last point on cooking over the fire, this method is not viable if there is a complete fire ban. Sometimes there may be a time limit of when campfires are allowed, and that really then limits the cooking on the fire options, so be aware of that. Now, does the Dutch oven or the barbecue or that extra large pot and the single burner come every time we go camping? Absolutely not. 
When you're planning your meals, think about how you want to cook. Is this an authentic, everything cooked over the fire type of weekend? Or are we working with a large group and and, and creating large family style meals? Is lugging the barbecue for one meal really worth it? Are you going to have or want to spend the time that it takes to make the fire to get the coals to use that Dutch oven? I guess you could always use a charcoal chimney, but still take some time. Bring only what you need for what you're making. This is especially true if space is at a premium in your vehicle, you might have to leave the barbecue at home. The method you choose to cook can also have a big impact on the time it takes to cook. Which brings me to some types of meals, some categories based more on mood or feeling. There are no-cook meals, low or no-dish meals, fast and easy, gourmet, and celebration or holiday meals. As we discussed in our meal planning and food prep episode, you can be as simple or as complicated as you like, but it's likely that you're going to have a combination of a few of these different types of meals. No-cook meals are great for lunch, beach days, hikes, or when you arrive late or you want to leave early. It can also be great to just not cook when it's really hot outside or you want the night off. Another way for a no-cook meal can be eating out. There are lots of hidden gems, diners, and local businesses that you can seek out near whatever park you're at. This could be for a treat or a lunch while out exploring attractions outside the park. One of the parks we frequent has a place where you can get ice cream and favorites like pizza, burgers, chicken fingers, and fries. And get this, you used to be able to order a pizza right to your site. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was always fun. And on one trip, that actually allowed us to pack everything in the kitchen the night before We left so we could beat the traffic on the drive home. We want to know, is it okay to put pineapple on a pizza? (laughs) Sharing a charcuterie is a great go-to for a no-cook meal-snack combo idea. A quick tip here, don't leave the cheese board out for too long, especially on a warm day. Pre-cut your cheeses and meats so that the remainders can be easily packed up and put in the cooler to keep cool. There are also shareable meal ideas where you may eat out of the cast iron. One recent favorite has been campfire nachos. Unless you're pulling things out of a package, a completely waste-free or dish-free meal is unlikely, but picking off the platter or eating right out of the cooking vessel is a great way to reduce what you've got to clean. Portable meals and snacks are great for when you'd like to eat off the site. Maybe at a trail lookout, somewhere you find paddling around, or just by the lake for a change of scenery. Think sandwiches, wraps, fruits like apples, oranges, and bananas, cut up veggies, beef jerky, trail mix, granola or protein bars. They're all easy to carry, easy to eat on the go, and super easy to clean up. We've actually celebrated a few Thanksgiving weekends on campgrounds and have gone about it in a couple of different ways to celebrate. For a small group, we pick a couple of key dishes that we really want and do as much prep as we can at home. It can be a little bit more involved than your typical camping meal, but overall, it's not much different. We love a skillet stuffing, some fire-roasted veg, baked sweet potato, and smoked turkey breast with gravy. When we did a larger group this past year, we did more of a potluck style. Everyone was responsible for getting what they needed and preparing a dish or two for dinner. We had two regular-sized propane stoves, a double-burner griddle, a single-burner, and a crock-pot going, and boy, did we have a feast. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wonder if Camper Sue's got any tips for cooking in a trailer or food prep in that kind of situation. 
Hi, Camper Sue here. Just want to touch on food for a moment. Camping is such a, a great experience to eat in the outdoors. And even though we do camp in a pop-up trailer, we don't cook in it. We, I think in all the years we've done it, have maybe heated up some soup in a rain, and that's about it. We prefer to have an outdoor food preparation area. So we use a Coleman-type stove, and we have a large single burner with a, a large pot on it that we use so that there's always warm water for dishes and things available. We have a tea that connects the, a large propane tank so that the, the stove and the barbecue and those things can all be connected in on one tank. So, you know, we don't use the, the small propane single one pound tanks at all. Uh, the other thing is we like to play sometimes when we're out there. So we have a cast iron Dutch oven that we will make things like um, a Dutch oven lasagna or sometimes we'll make like a black forest cake. Just sort of fun things to play around with because you have the time and certain days you just are a little bit more inclined to spend the time playing with your meals and then there's certainly the days where you just want a quick get dinner ready thing and that's not really when you want to be using a Dutch oven. So those are just a few thoughts. Thank you. Thanks Sue, that's great. I would have thought to cook inside all the time but I'll make sure if I ever have a trailer to stay outside. Prepping in advance really helps to make these big meals easier. For our last potluck, the turkey was pre-smoked, vac-packed, and brought up frozen along with the gravy. It was all brought back up to temperature on the charcoal barbecue, allowing us to enjoy juicy and delicious turkey without spending hours cooking it. With the time saved, we were able to go all out on our sides and the other dishes, making for a pretty serious feast. Definitely. <laughs> That was a combination Thanksgiving, 60th birthday party for Camper Sue, and the 60th of the Ontario Provincial Parks she'd camped in in as many years. And we didn't just have a feast. We set up two, or was it three, dining shelters in a row with two picnic tables and lots of cute decorations. There were the custom wine glasses, celebratory signs, and we even had a couple of seriously festive gourd arrangements. Plus my inflatable turkey, which welcomed everyone to our campsite. Yes, we cannot forget that. <laughs> Timing things is important when cooking because you generally want everything to be ready at the same time. If you're doing steak and baked potatoes for dinner, the fire has to get going well before the steaks even leave the cooler. When you're making breakfast with us, coffee is key and that is made first. If we're cooking a meal for breakfast that requires more than one burner, we've got to do things in order. So after the coffee, the bacon, let's say. And then it's the eggs. And then when we're almost done, we get that toast going. Even with a no-cook breakfast, coffee still needs to be made. I'm looking forward to having the jet boil this year and not having to get a full pot going on the stove when we're not cooking anything else that morning. Eating late can have unintended consequences. During the long days of summer, it's not too bad to watch the sunset while you do your dishes, but sometimes I'm also really happy for that spotlight we have set up over the dish station to be able to keep doing them as it's dark out, which inevitably happens when you're eating late. Just like any cooking equipment at home, you have to maintain and clean everything you've got. When you finish cooking and are sitting down to eat, Throw on some water to boil and have the dish station ready to go. You can even start doing some of the dishes while the meal finishes up. At Ontario Parks, you cannot wash dishes at the taps or the sinks. There will be clear signage posted. You also can't wash your dishes in the lakes or other bodies of water. Terrible for the environment. 
use your dish bins on your site. To dispose of dirty dishwater, it should be dumped into a vault toilet. We often save our rinse water, which is free of any food scraps, to put out the campfire at the end of the night. Dumping dirty dishwater on or near your campsite can cause a lot of problems, the least of which is a wet or muddy area. Food scraps can attract animals, and soap, even biodegradable soap, is harmful to the environment, especially bodies of water. Most of the dishes you'll have to clean will not have any special cleaning instructions. However, one big exception is cast iron cookware. Cast iron takes a bit of care and maintenance every time you use it, but it isn't hard and it's well worth it. Assuming your cast iron is already seasoned, the following are the basic steps to use and maintain the seasoning on your cast iron. Don't get it screaming hot. That can just burn off any seasoning that you've worked to develop on the pan, and while that might be great for searing something quickly, it also makes it easy to char and burn your food in a cast iron pan that's too hot and make a big mess for whoever has to clean it. If there are a lot of burnt bits in the pan, you can pour already boiling water into it after cooking and allow it to soak while you eat. Boiling water in the pan can actually lift the seasoning you've worked so hard to develop and maintain and should generally not be done. Give the pan a gentle scraping with a wooden spatula to loosen anything that's being stubborn. If you need to wipe the pan dry, add a little coarse salt to the problem areas and gently rub it with a non-fibrous cloth. Rinse out with hot water and move on to seasoning. You will need a neutral oil with a high smoke point. I like grapeseed. You'll also need a non-fibrous cloth like a bandana. And you will need to do this every time you use your cast iron pan. Gently heat up the pan to dry it after it's been washed. Add about a teaspoon of oil depending on the size of the pan. And use your clean seasoning bandana to cover the inside and the outside of the pan with a light coating of oil. Make sure to season the outside of the pan to prevent rusting. When we go camping, I use the cast iron from my kitchen. I like to make a cardboard envelope with duct tape to transport my pans safely to the site and home again. This keeps them dry and clean and prevents other things in the car from picking up an oily coating. That's the long and short of it. I think I learned something. <laughs> Stoves and barbecues require regular cleaning as well, beyond a quick wipe after a meal. Every year before packing things away for the season, I make sure everything is clean and dry. In my excitement as the camping season draws nearer, I usually do a big clean on the barbecue to get it ready for another season as well. If you're leaving your campsite, it's important that all your cooking equipment is stored away in a bear box or in your vehicle, as their scents may attract unwanted wildlife. We've mentioned this a few times before, but we want to reiterate the point. This includes the stove, the barbecue, any dirty dishes, pots, or those roasting sticks. Regardless of who you go camping with, it can be a lot of work if the tasks and duties aren't split up. After years of planning menus and cooking for large groups of family and friends, I was fed up with feeling like the cook. Last year, we went on a trip with a few newbies, and yes, we had a pre-planned menu, but we also had pre-assigned duties. Mm -hmm. Splitting into teams of two, we had a pair on cooking and a pair on dishes for every meal. Yes, we had some switches on the fly, like, I'm working on the fire, trade you cooking for dishes. But everyone got to cook. Everyone had to wash dishes and clean up, and everyone also got some time off from these tasks. It worked well and took a load of stress off my back. 
If you have smaller groups joining up for a trip, you can choose to do one large menu, but split up the meals and duties per group, or you can each do your own thing and just come together for some key meals throughout the trip. BYOF, or Bring Your Own Food, is a great option for those who might just be popping in for short periods during a longer trip. I really like doing at least one dinner as a big group. Having a big, involved, and delicious meal in the woods is one of my favorite camping pastimes. Absolutely. Along with a good bottle of wine. Always. (laughs) But because camping should be about getting out there and enjoying yourself, if you're going with a bigger group and coordinating the meals and responsibilities among everyone can really lead to that feeling of being the cook or camp director, and that isn't always fun, we don't want you to lock yourselves in to your meal plan. Make sure you have some other easy on-hand options that you can just adjust to on the fly and be flexible with yourself. It's easy to get kids involved, too. Tasks should be suited to the age level, of course, but little kids can do some clearing up and wiping down after we're all done, and, uh, and older kids can take on whole meals themselves. I don't know about you guys, but uh, all this talk of cooking has gotten me hungry. For, like, some skillet nachos or loaded baked potatoes... One of those burrito bowls sounds good to me, or maybe a s'more. I'll go light the charcoal. That's a wrap on another episode. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Campfire Committee, Outside and Fireside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to share this episode with others to help us expand the Campfire Committee community and pass on the love of camping and the great outdoors. For more, check out our website, thecampfirecommittee.com, and find us on social media at the Campfire Committee. And join our Facebook group, a place where you can share your favorite memories, places, and ideas when it comes to all things camping. Also, let us know what camping or outdoors topics you want to hear more about in future episodes, your camping stories, and any other feedback you've got. Join us next time outside and fireside and until then this campfire has ended before we go we'd like to thank sue logan better known around here as camper sue for her endless camping knowledge support and experience and Stephen pavan our all-in-one editing team we couldn't do this without either of you and to all the extended members of the campfire committee thank you All sound effects that are not our own are from thedevo.net. Music from Epidemic Sound. For more details on all episodes, see our show notes.